0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: But our purpose for Stand for Ag is to bring a lot of unique perspectives in. And so um a lot of what Missouri Farmers Care does is outreach to different consumers and, and we want to make sure that they understand where their food comes from.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Another Ag News Daily podcast. It is July first. What is today? Wednesday, July first, Ashton? Yes. Wednesday, July first.
2: I'm kind of excited to start off a new month, but It sure has flown by this year.
0: It certainly has. It certainly has. We're also joined today by Mike Pearson. Mike, how are you doing today?
3: I am doing well, and Ashton, I have to disagree. This has been the slowest year on record. It feels like it's still March to me. It's nuts.
2: Really? My, like, quarantine, I guess, within the past couple of months and staying at home and stuff, I feel like it's gone by super fast, surprisingly.
3: Well, it is all a blur. I'll give it that. It is uh, certainly a weird time for sure, but I tell you what, we've got things happening in agriculture. What headlines are you watching, Ashton?
2: You know, this one is a little bit different. I thought it was pretty funny, but um, a comedian named Greg Warren, I had never heard of him. I'm not too big in stand-up specials or anything, but he has a new special called Where the Field Corn Grows, and he from what I understand, did not grow up in agriculture. And so he kind of pokes fun about the things that he's learned in agriculture. And I watched the trailer and he said a funny bit about his chores. If he didn't do his chores, he got grounded. But if farm kids don't do their chores, the farm gets repossessed by the bank and something like that. And it was really funny. And so I'm kind of excited and I might tune into that special, but I'm not exactly sure where it's being... Put out, but I will get more information on that and definitely let you guys know if it's worth watching.
3: Yeah, please do, Ashton Carr, culture critic for Ag News Daily.
2: (laughs) I just keep getting more and more titles and more things to do, so it's all going to come back. They're
0: all they're all fake titles, Ashton. We just assign them out like candy. Okay, then I'll just erase all of them from my resume. Then
3: (laughs) we weren't joking about law school, though. Go to law school, Ashton. (laughs) Okay, that one's Delaney. What are you watching?
0: Well, today is the first day that NAFTA goes into effect. Not going to see a lot of immediate changes. Obviously, this continues the trade relationship with Canada and Mexico, but it does have the possibility to increase U.S. agricultural goods by about $2 billion. That's what they're forecasting for the impact of gross domestic products overall. $2 billion just for U.S. ag products, $65 billion for products all over, including you know manufacturing, cars, etc. So...
3: And, you know, the improvements to dairy exports into Canada That was a huge component of USMCA. And uh, to see those changes go into effect probably will be beneficial for dairy producers in our northern tier of states, I imagine.
0: I would imagine you're right. I think dairy producers are quite excited about this finally being done, signed, and delivered.
3: 100 percent well that'll be interesting we've also got news coming out of the heartland we have another merger co-ops of course are looking for ways to cut costs manage expenses in this slowdown particularly co-ops that are big in the uh retail fuel space and so we've got uh, a press release out today that star energy fs is uh, merging with growmark fs they're going to Combined together, they're going to take the name Growmark FS, and they are going to be offering their farmers a full line of agronomy, energy, and grain marketing needs. So, you know, I think we've had kind of a break on mergers and acquisitions in agriculture. You know, going back to 2017, which was the big year that Dow DuPont merged and Syngenta and ChemChina, everybody else got together. I've got a feeling we're about to see another wave of acquisitions and mergers as this covid cost crunch hits agriculture okay what else are you watching today delaney
0: uh you know it's honestly it's a slow news week that we've got the fourth of july markets are closed friday i think they are shortened tomorrow is that wait are they open friday
3: Nope. Markets are closed okay, on Friday. That's what I was thinking. Is, or, or, tomorrow is a regular close. Okay.
0: Tomorrow. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Well, yeah. So it's a slower news, news week this week. Maybe we'll see some things dumped tomorrow ahead of this long holiday weekend. One thing we did see dumped on the newswire is after nearly a year and a half of work, the House Climate Crisis Committee released a 547-page report on how U.S. can go carbon neutral by 2050. And it actually included changes to ag policies like expanding conservation programs and boosting climate-related research. But gosh, 500 and some pages, I don't think I'd want to read that. I feel sorry for the poor suckers who had to write that thing.
3: That's all just a bunch of interns, both the reading and the writing.
0: (laughs) I mean, probably, honestly.
3: Ashton, get on it. (laughs)
0: I was really hoping you
2: wouldn't say that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ashton, what other stories are you watching today?
2: I am watching just one other story today because like Delaney said, it's a little bit of a slow news day and it goes back to the U.S. Dairy Export Council and they've said that a major obstacle for dairy sales to China is now gone. So starting today, July 1st, the USDA's Agricultural Marketing Service is no longer required to audit dairy and infant formula plants in order to register them for export sales to China. And the end of the audits is part of the phase one trade deal with China. And the council says that the change eases the regulatory and financial burden of U.S. dairy suppliers sending products to China.
3: Okay. All right. Well, so big day for dairy, it sounds like, with USMCA and with this deal.
2: Yes, I believe so. And I will add that dairy plants wishing to export to China must still file an application with the FDA using their Unified Registration and Listing System Export listing module. So I don't exactly know what that all means, but you still got to file.
3: Right. I am sure if you're a dairy processor looking to export to China, that all made perfect sense.
2: <laughs> I'm sure it did. Hopefully it did, because um, it, it really didn't make too much to me. But if you're a dairy farmer, I'm sure that you've got it all under control.
3: Well, I tell you what, yesterday was a big news day with the release of the two USDA reports, uh, planted acreage and quarterly grain stocks. So I kind of missed this story, and it's coming out of Iowa. Yesterday, Governor Kim Reynolds announced a $7 million boost to the Iowa Renewable Fuels Infrastructure Program. This is called RFIP in the state of Iowa, and it extends a fuel tax incentive for diesel blends to use biodiesel. And in Iowa, obviously, that biodiesel of choice is soy-based biodiesel. Um, This legislation is basically out there to help drive demand for diesel blends that contain at least 11% biodiesel. So it's anything over uh, B10 is what they're looking at promoting. And uh, since, according to the Carroll Broadcasting Network, since this biodiesel incentive was introduced, B11 and higher blends have grown to make up 57% of sales as of 2019. So this, uh, this funding is going to go to help distributors upgrade equipment for biofuel blends. So maybe a little ray of sunshine for our soybean producers and biodiesel producers in the state of Iowa.
0: Yeah, and we also saw, I think this was also released yesterday as well, reported by Reuters. U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley said on Tuesday that he is planning on, supported a plan by one of his Senate colleagues to block the nomination of an EPA official until the agency makes it clear how they're going to handle those small refinery Uh, requests. And so both he and Senator Ernst, of course, both from Iowa said that they are putting some pressure on administrator Wheeler to figure this thing out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Well, and it's not just Republicans. It's Republicans and Democrats. I know Tammy Duckworth from Illinois has uh, signed on to do this, as well as Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota have also come together. They're all pushing for an answer as to how the EPA will handle, handle these 52 requests for SRE waivers from the EPA. Whether or not we'll actually see a decision before November remains to be seen, however.
0: It certainly does, Mike. One thing that doesn't remain to be seen is how the markets broke out today. Do you want to kick us off into the markets?
3: I certainly do. It is another great day for producers, a tough day for end users because we have seen a 25 cent rally in the corn market over the past two days. July, corn up 10.5 cents at 349 even, December up. 10 cents today at 360 and a half. In soybeans, the July was up seven and a quarter at eight ninety one and a half. and a half. November up 15 and a half cents on the day, closed. At the high end of resistance at eight ninety seven and three quarters, wheat was also higher. The July was up six cents in Chicago at four ninety six. Even December up five and a half at five oh four and a half. Looking at livestock, we saw strength moving into the cattle complex. August live cattle up a dollar oh two fifty at ninety seven thirty. October up 95 at ninety five at one hundred sixty seven fifty. Haven't seen reports of cash trade, so I wonder if something broke out towards the end of the day that really pushed this thing higher. Feeder cattle. Did end up marginally higher. The August was up twenty two and a half cents at one thirty three oh seven fifty. September up sixty five, closed at one thirty four oh two fifty. And lean hogs mixed trade today. July down thirty seven fifty at forty four eighty. The August up a nickel, closed at forty nine oh seven half. The dairy market is continuing to move higher. July up fifty one cents at twenty two eighty six. The August up sixty six cents at twenty forty one. Before we move into our our interview, Ashton, why don't you tell us who we're talking to?
2: Today, we're talking to Paxton Dahmer. I actually met Paxton in 2016 when we were at the Washington Leadership Conference as little FFA members, and he is a fellow podcaster with Missouri Farmers Care. So we're going to talk to him
0: today about his internship with them. Hey guys, when I'm not hosting Ag News Daily, I'm actually helping out with the Iowa Farm Bureau's Spokesman Speaks podcast. If you're from Iowa, you're probably familiar with The Spokesman Newspaper. It has the largest readership of any ag newspaper in the state. The Spokesman Speaks podcast is an extension of that newspaper, reaching farmers and ag professionals like you on the go with the stories that matter most. This week's episode features discussions about COVID-19 relief that's currently available to farmers and the additional federal relief that could be on its way in the coming weeks. Yes, I know that all of the COVID-19 stories blend together after a while, but this is your chance to hit the reset button with the latest updates. Which relief options are still available to farmers and what's on the horizon? For those answers, you'll have to check out the new podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Spokesman Speaks podcast in your favorite podcast app, or go to iowafarmbureau.com slash podcast.
2: Today on the podcast, we have a sixth generation agriculturalist from Nevada, Missouri, Paxton Dahmer. He now works with Missouri Farmers Care. Now, Paxton, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit more about what you do with Missouri Farmers Care.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so like she said, I'm Paxton Dahmer. I'm from Nevada, Missouri. And and if you don't know where that's at, I don't blame you. But uh, we're just north of Joplin. And I like to tell people if you go from the Lake of the Ozarks, which is a pretty popular place, and you head towards Kansas, once you hit the border, you're there. So, um grew up really active in the livestock industry. Uh, my family shows a lot across the country. Uh, we show predominantly hogs and sheep, but uh, there towards the beginning of our show careers, we had some cattle and and even the occasional goat. And so had the opportunity to travel the country. And I think that that's where I developed my passion for agriculture and, and decided that this is what I want to do with my life. And, and it wasn't necessarily um, just the industry itself. It was the people in the industry. Uh, I love people and I love, uh, you know, getting to meet those people and developing those connections that I was able to develop. And so that's what kind of led me into the path that I'm taking. So, um, currently a junior or getting ready to be a junior anyways, at the university of Missouri, studying agricultural education, leadership and communications. And so, um, really excited about that and uh currently interning with Missouri Farmers Care uh which is actually through MFA Incorporated which is a, a pretty large agricultural uh retailer and cooperative up here in this part of the nation um but uh as or with Missouri Farmers Care I'm an outreach specialist is what my title would be and so um have the opportunity to dabble in a lot of our programming uh which deals with a lot of different portions of the agricultural industry so just really excited to spend my summer this way and and learn a lot through that
0: well, I've just got to say, first of all, when you start talking, I think that you are years ahead of where you are, <laughs> so you're very, very well-spoken.
1: Well, thank you. Um,
0: I also am from Missouri, so very familiar with MFA and that system, but tell me how Missouri Farmers Care fits into that system then with helping farmers.
1: Yeah, right. So, um, well, Missouri Farmers Care, a little bit about it. It started in uh, December 2009, 2010, really. Um And so uh, it's about a decade old. And so um, it's an organization of what started out with just a few agricultural organizations, but what's grown to 45 agricultural, uh, you know, leading or agricultural organizations here in the state. And so um, we've united and kind of formed one voice for Missouri agriculture. And and so it's really been an awesome movement here in our state that's done a lot of good. And so um, we have a lot of different types of programs uh, I guess first and foremost, we've got what we call the Ready County Program. So um, the Ready County Program, it's a, a designation that a county can receive and they apply for. Um, but what we do is we look at that county and their ordinances that they have and and make sure that there aren't any ordinances that are more stringent than what the state can have. And so um, in doing so, those counties kind of pledge their support for agriculture and, and decide that they want to keep agriculture at the forefront of their minds as they make decisions that are going to impact agriculturalists in those counties. And so... Right now, we have 65 in Missouri counties Ag ready and that number continues to grow. And, and we're really excited about the momentum that that program has. Um, but then we also have uh, what we call ag education on the move. And this is probably one of my favorite programs uh, just because of my background. But with that, we develop local partnerships with FFA members across our state. And, and we develop uh, those partnerships. And then those FFA members have the opportunity to go into third-grade classrooms and teach a 10-week curriculum that uh, focuses on really nearly all areas of agriculture in our state. And the thing Missouri, and a lot of people don't realize is Missouri agriculture is really diverse from rice, cotton, and watermelons to corn and soybeans and cattle. And so um, we cover a lot of really awesome things through that. And then we have, uh, you know, drive to feed kids. And that's something that has a lot of momentum. And a lot of people know about that one um, because the impact that we've been able to make on that. And so um, in Missouri, one in five children are food insecure and and that number is ridiculously high. And so drive to feed kids works to eliminate that. And so, uh, we raise funds and really just unite as agriculture to, to recognize the positive things that agriculturalists are doing to help with that. And, um, that typically, uh, culminates at the Missouri state fair. We have our, uh, drive to feed kids food insecurity service day, where we bring in roughly, uh, three to anywhere from 300 to 600 FFA members and pack over a hundred thousand meals each year. And so I'm um, just really proud of that. We've got a couple other programs. Uh, we do some promotional stuff with the St. Louis Cardinals and we have the Leopold Conservation Award, which is, uh, in, it remembers Aldo Leopold, uh, a renowned conservationist and, and that's given out each year. It's a $10,000 cash award to a farmer that uh, has implemented awesome conservation programs on their farm throughout the year.
2: Paxton, it sounds like you've got your hands full over there. (laughs) And uh, I know that you guys recently added just another thing to your plate, that being the Stand for Ag podcast. And so why don't you tell us maybe what the goal behind starting that podcast is and what you plan to do in the future with it?
1: Yes. Yeah. That's something that uh, I'm really excited about. I, I get to be the host this summer and and hopefully into the future. And so really excited about what we've got going on there, but um, we're just getting the ball rolling. Uh, in fact, this today actually was the first day that we've promoted the first episode um, pretty hard. And so we're we're excited to see where that goes. But our purpose for Stand for Ag is to bring a lot of unique perspectives in. And so um A lot of what Missouri Farmers Care does is outreach to different consumers, and and we want to make sure that they understand where their food comes from. But not only do they understand it, but have an appreciation for, uh, you know, everything that goes into it. It's insane when you think about it. And so um, Stanford Ag is really unique in the fact that we're going to bring in different perspectives. Um, It's not always going to be a producer's perspective. Sometimes we'll bring in a consumer and and get their opinion on it. Uh, Just this morning, I had the opportunity to sit down with uh, the director of agriculture here in Missouri and talk with her about it and get that opinion. So um, we'll bring in differing opinions each week and and talk about some really important issues. Um, I think right now we have a really unique opportunity with everything going on in our world with with the COVID pandemic and, and agriculture has a spotlight on it. And so our hope is that with this coming up in such a convenient time, we're able to really shine a spotlight onto, onto why agriculture is important and how it's going to maintain uh, that importance well into the future so that we can have a safe and, and reliable food supply.
0: As you look at the future, specifically there in the state of Missouri, I mean, you've got some really rural areas. You've also got some really urban areas. What do you see as the biggest challenges that the Missouri CARE program is going to have to have to overcome?
1: Well, to be honest, I think that uh, that we're still gaining momentum. Uh, decade's a long time, but when you think about it, it's not. Um, one of the things that Missouri Farmers Care does is it protects agriculturists and agriculturalists. So um, we've had some uh, different things that have come up with uh, Humane Society and some of those organizations like that. Um, so I think in the future, those, those organizations aren't going away. They want to keep spreading their message and in the fact of the matter is that they're pretty good at what they do, um, even though we might not agree with it. And so, um, I think, you know, that could be a challenge in the future. We're going to have to continue, uh, combating those organizations and make sure that we protect agriculturalists. Um, a lot of times when people think of agriculture, they think of the corn and the soybeans or the cows or the pigs and, and whatever that might be, but they forget about the things like, um, you know, the kennels, those are still involved in agriculture and, in um, Really, in Missouri, we have a lot of those, and so we want to make sure that we protect those uh, those operations just as much as we protect our farmers and our ranchers here in our state. And so, um, I think that could be a challenge, but uh, you know, ultimately, our organization continues to grow, and and we've made some pretty awesome waves in our state that uh, that I'm pretty proud of. And so, I think that uh, as time progresses, that's only going to continue to grow and, and continue to uh, gain momentum, and we'll keep making a really positive impact in Missouri.
2: So, Paxton, you've got about two years left of your undergraduate education. I want to ask just a little bit of a more personal question, and that is what you plan on doing once you do graduate, because it sounds like you've got it really together right now. (laughs)
1: Well, I'm glad I sound like that. Um, No, uh, well, I'm actually I'm running for National FFA office right now. And so fingers crossed, I have three years left in my undergrad, because hopefully I get to defer a year there and uh, spend that on the road. But regardless, um, graduate with my undergrad uh, in my bachelor's with ag education and leadership side of things. But uh, my hope is to either stay in and get a master's or potentially go to law school um, in, in practice agricultural law. So Um, There are a couple different opportunities there, but regardless, I'd like to continue going past my bachelor's.
2: Well, we here at the Ag News Daily Podcast certainly wish you luck in those endeavors. But one more thing before you go, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media if they want to follow your journey into National FFA Office, hopefully, or where they can find Missouri Farmers Care online.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, on a personal level, I'm on about everything, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, it's just Paxton Dahmer, but Missouri Farmers Care is on those platforms as well. Um, we've got a Facebook that we're pretty active on as well as Instagram and Twitter. And so, uh, feel free to follow. Um, in addition to that, www.mofarmerscare.com, uh, it has information about all of our programs that we've got going on and and even a link to our podcast that we got started and, and you can find that as well on Apple and Spotify and a lot of those podcast platforms. But uh, yeah, we encourage each and every one of you guys to, to give us a follow and, and watch us with our journey. I think that, like I said, it's going to gain momentum and continue growing well into the future.
2: Well, awesome, Paxton. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been awesome to reconnect.
2: Well, it was certainly nice to catch back up with Paxton, and I'm super excited to see what the future holds for him as well as Missouri Farmers Care. But you can catch up with all the things that we're doing on our social media at Ag News Daily. You can catch up with all of our podcasts and our future podcasts at www.globalagnetwork.com agnewsdaily.
3: Sounds great. With that, Ashton, let's let the people go. Let's let them go.